Gideon, Barak, and Samson, and so on. Okay? One thing they all had in common was they all had true faith. Faith in God and in who God is. Okay? Another thing they all had in common was that they did not have His Spirit abiding in them. Okay? Now think about that. They had their their faith was amazing, all the things they did, yet they did not have his spirit abiding inside of them. Okay. They had to wait for God to visit them or talk to them, yet their faith was amazing. It was mm -hmm. real. Okay. Now look at Christianity today. Do they have the faith that the men of old did? <clears throat> the majority do not. Yep. True, true, true. <laughs> and we have His Spirit abiding in us. Okay? They did not have His Spirit abiding in them, yet they had amazing faith. Miracle working faith. Yep. And today, we have His Spirit, yet majority of the church does not have His mir the miracle working faith. Yep. Okay? <clears throat> They did not have the spirit of abiding in them, but we do. Yet their faith seems like it was greater than most of those that call themselves Christians today. Why is that? Just imagine the possibilities, okay? If we have the faith that they had, we could operate in miraculous ability. Just like Jesus. Just like we are called to do. Okay? If we have the faith that the men of old had and join that with the knowledge and knowing that he abides in us, then miracles should flow freely through us. Yep, okay? Yep. Being that we have his spirit in us. If we walk in the knowledge of knowing who God is, combine that with the faith, you know, and the spirit in us, there's nothing we cannot do. Yes. Okay. There's there's no miracle that could not happen. It's all faith. And knowing who God is and knowing who he is in us. Okay. And yeah. who we are in him. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> Jesus. Okay, let's see. Uh, let's see. Then, um, then miracles should flow freely through us. We should operate just like Jesus did when he walked the earth in the flesh. Okay? We just have to have faith to let him walk the earth and operate on earth through us. Okay? It'll be just like when he walked the earth in the flesh. He should be able to walk the earth now in us. Through us. Yep. Operate through us. It just takes a faith that shall not move. Yes. That's all, man. I was thinking about this last night and thinking about this morning, and all of a sudden I read that scripture, and it was like, that started flowing out. The, the men of old, they did not have Jesus abiding in them. They did not have the Holy Spirit abiding in them. Yep. They had to pray to God, and he had to come visit them. Yep. Rather in a pillar of fire or a burning bush or just a voice. Yep. But they had the faith to stick with it. That's okay? true. They believed that God was going to come and visit them. 
But yet, you look at the church's faith nowadays, <laughs> and we have the spirit abiding in us. If our faith is so shaky at times that we give up quickly, okay? They they prayed for days, knowing that God was going to show up. Yeah, they did. We pray for five minutes, and oh my gosh, it's not going to happen. Yeah. What's that? What's that tell you? That tells you our faith is minimal. It is not pure faith. It is not real faith. Yeah. That's something you know. I've really, really been trying to focus on. You know, is is faith? Is my faith? hindered is my faith pure okay because it is really really easy to let things hinder your faith yeah it could be anything whether your life gets so busy that it takes away from your personal time with god which is the biggest biggest mistake we can make yep <laughs> i i believe i found out <laughs> it weakens you yeah when you when that time with God gets taken away, you don't get the much communion time with Him, your faith starts to shake. Okay? That allows the enemy to step in and find ways to shake your faith and yeah. move your faith yeah. to where we have to know who Jesus is in us. Okay? And have that faith that, my gosh, He wants to walk this planet through me. Okay, yeah. everyone on here, he wants to walk this planet through you and operate through you doing the miracles that he did when he was here in the flesh. Yeah. Plus, greater, just yeah. like the word says. So, that's, that's my, I'm pretty yeah. sure. That Actually, talking. that goes right, <laughs> that goes but, right in hand with I what mean, I'm going to say. If we're going to do this thing, if, if you guys are going to, Conquer India, if you're going to let Jesus conquer India, you have to walk in that faith and let him work through you. That's yeah. what it's going to have to be. Yeah, yeah. That's the only way. Just like we're trying to do here in Joplin. You know, we are going to subdue this city. Yeah, yeah. No. Absolutely. And it takes pure faith. Yeah. There you go. Um, I'm going to take what he said and go a step further. Um. The problem comes in, the problem with this comes in uh, our personal understanding, our personal uh, revelation of Christ in us. Uh, as we've said before, and as probably all of you know by now, that uh, a lot of people, a lot of Christians uh, have a mindset of an old covenant saint. They view God as somewhere out there and they have to pray to him. They don't know if he'll answer. They don't know if he'll hear, but they're just hoping that he hears and will answer them. Okay. That is, that is not the reality that we live in. Let me explain the reality of a son of God. Let me explain what it means uh, and how to live at, as a son of God and how to interact not only with God, uh, the Father, but with the planet. This is going to be, this is the this is the big secret, the big key that causes everything else to work. And, and one of the things I'm going to say are the things 
that Paul taught over and over. He said, I'm sending you Timothy to remind you of all my ways which are in Christ. And uh, he says, uh, in another place, he says, find faithful men who can teach uh, what I have said. Uh, and these things I teach in all the churches everywhere. So Paul literally taught the same things everywhere he went. You going to give me a little real estate? Yeah. <laughs> Paul taught the same things everywhere he went. Why did Paul teach the same thing everywhere he went? Because he taught what works. He taught the reality of the new covenant son of God. This new agreement between the Father and Christ that allows us humans to be reborn into his family as sons. Now, the mindset of a lot of Christians is um, uh, when they get born again, that they've been they've been forgiven, they've been cleansed and washed, and they're just so thankful about that, as we should be, right? And most people stop there. They don't go on to live out the reality of the covenant that was established. So Jesus's covenant with the Father uh, was purchased through his blood. And through his body, he was a literal sacrifice instead of a, a, a the blood of bulls and goats, as we see in the Old Covenant. This is a one-time, forever sacrifice, a once-and-for-all sacrifice for sin. But it didn't just include the cancellation of sin. It, it caused, it's, a, it's a sacrifice that brought about a new covenant with humanity through Christ that we could return back to um, the way things were intended, right? When God created the planet, actually it was Jesus. Let's just say this for how it is. When the Son created the planet, because the Bible says in multiple places, when the Son created all things, uh, they were in perfect order. They were as He intended it to be, okay? Now when the fall of man happened and death uh, entered the world through one man's sin, okay, that's when uh, the devil became the god of this world. His nature is death, and death flooded the whole earth. And it took over. The nature of death took over man's spirit, and death attached itself to all things. So, from there, that time until, uh, until when all of his enemies are put under his feet, says that death is the last thing to be defeated. Uh, we are here defeating it and putting it down and bringing all things back into their original intent. There's so many scriptures I'm listing here. Like if I just quoted every scripture, this would be 24 hours long. But you just have to get what I'm saying. We're going to, we're here to bring all things back to their original intent. What is the intent? It, the intent is for righteousness and life to be on earth as it is in heaven. For the kingdom to come and the will of God to be done on earth as it is in heaven. God's intention is for his will to be done here. His will is not death. His will is not sickness and disease, wars, pestilence, famine. His intent is not for another God to rule this world. His intent is not for his enemies to become usurpers of this world. His intent is that the people he put in charge of the world to rule it, and that is us. All right. 
Now, how is this accomplished? Because right now, you mostly probably heard just a gospel that includes salvation. He cleansed you of your sin and made you new. And that's where we stop. And But that is an amazing thing. That's just the first step uh, into this reality of the kingdom of God and of this reality of this covenant. Um, now, where we are supposed to go from there, uh, Jesus began teaching and then Paul uh, follows up with uh, teachings. You know, Jesus taught mostly in parables. <clears throat> he said, I have many things to tell you, speaking to his disciples, but you, you can't hear them yet. Well, Paul comes back and other writers of the New Testament, and they comes back and these are the and they continue to teach what Jesus started, which he couldn't fully reveal yet because uh, the Bible says that if the rulers of this world had known uh, the plan of God through Christ, they would have never crucified the Lord of Glory. So uh, these New Testament writers like Paul and others, these are the continued teachings of Christ. So. For example, when Paul said, or when Jesus says, if anyone wants to follow me, he must lose his life. Okay? Uh, now, people take that and don't put it together with the rest of the understanding of this new covenant agreement that creates sons. So, Jesus is, is talking about what's coming. That is sonship. This is the, this is the great revelation there, there's two revelations here. One sonship, one marriage. So sonship uh, is what Jesus modeled. Okay, he's he's he became a son that we could become a son like him. He's the firstborn of many brothers. Okay, so we're speaking about family stuff. We're speaking about sons. Before we are reborn or born again into the kingdom, uh, we are not sons. Um, we are separated by death. We are of the line of the first Adam, and that line always ends in death. It only inherits death. It only ends in death. That's why Jesus came as the last Adam, that we could be translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So we are not only born again with sins forgiven. We are of him. We are of his essence.
by being reborn, we are translated from the line of the first Adam, which is death, into the line of the last Adam, which is Jesus, which is life. But we're not just forgiven and canceled of sin. We are made of his essence. We are made of him, just like when a husband and wife come together and they produce a child, that child has the parent's DNA. Okay? We are of God's DNA. Um, this is called righteousness. You could also say, I heard somebody say this once, God's DNA is his divine nature attributes. Okay? We have been given God's nature. We have been made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So that old person that we were before we were born again literally no longer exists. In fact, he's been transformed. He's been changed. To say it better would be would be to say he's been recreated. Um, anyone who is in Christ is a new creature. Some say, some translations say a new creation. But in the Greek, this literally means a new spirit a new species of being that's never existed before it's like it means like a founding member of a new species and that's what jesus was as a son of god we have been made members of his body we have been made of him so uh when our before the nature of our spirit was death now it is righteousness what kind of righteousness his righteousness now, why is this important? Um, because uh, Paul makes this comment. He says that in the old covenant, uh, the blood, uh, the blood of bulls and goats covered sin, but it was not able. It didn't work because it was not able to cleanse the conscience of the hearer. It was not able to cleanse the conscience of the hearer. What are we dealing with there? We'll do, we're dealing with shame, condemnation, death in our spirit separation from god we were never they were never able to come clean they were never able to have fellowship with god outside of the condemnation of sin they could just have their sin covered by bulls and goats so that they could have some agreement with god what was that agreement their their agreement with god that we call the old covenant included healing included protection and included provision and a lot of the things that we have included in our new covenant with God. But this is where it goes so much further. And this is where um, people's minds have been blinded to the reality of this. And Fidel, this is exactly what you were saying before we got going. This is the stuff I'm going to talk about here. All right. So where you begin to go after you're born again, this is the thing that causes all the stuff that we see in Jesus' life to flow from us. Okay. This is what Paul said. He says um, he, he was teaching about uh, the, the mystery. Well, he was teaching about husband and wife's relations. You know, how do we view husband and wives? And then he started talking about um, the, uh, the correlation between a husband and wife and Christ and the church. He says, I speak a great mystery concerning marriage, which is Christ and the church. Okay, so when we speak of Christ in the church, or when we say things like um, where Paul talks about the mystery of the ages, which is the indwelling of the of God's spirit in us, uh, here's the hurdle we have to cross. Okay, this is the mind renewal part here. This is the hurdle that we've got to get across. Most people 
only view themselves in their old identity, even though they've had their consciences cleansed, their sins canceled, and have been reborn and translated into the kingdom of light. They act, they may get some breakthroughs, be set free from addictions, um, you know, genuinely, genuinely sense a change, but they, they still don't experience the oneness of their spirit with God's spirit. In fact, most, most people would say, um, I speak in tongues, but I, you know, I don't, I don't feel God in me. I don't sense God in me. Where is he at? I think he leaked out. <laughs> okay. So what's happening here? They, they are technically married, but they have not, uh, this is the tricky word. They have not consummated their marriage. They have not become one, okay? Um, now, the idea of marriage is that the husband and wife come together and become one flesh, okay? You can just go study that out and ask your pastor what exactly that means if you don't know. <laughs> ask Brother Fidel. Yeah. <laughs> okay? Husband and wife come together. They become one flesh. They become one person, all right? Now... 1 Corinthians 6.17 says that he who joins himself to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. So, you could be born again. You could uh, be speaking in tongues. But you may not be experiencing the real power, the real fruit of this marriage between you and the Spirit of God. The whole purpose of this new covenant is to make you one with God. When you're of Him and you're one with Him, you are by design able to do what He did. And religion is always trying to cut this part out. It's always trying to make you less than you are. It's always trying to keep you away from this reality. What is this reality? He who joins himself. So there's an activity on your part to join yourself to the Lord. Now, this is kind of two parts. But the first part and the most important part is um, your understanding of who you are. Now, this is why it's so hard around family. Because when you get around your family, they only know the person that you have always been the last few decades of your life they only know that person they know you and all your habits they knew you and your lifestyle and knew you and your what your beliefs were but when you are born again that person has died that person is literally dead and there's a new person in place now what is this new person this new person is what emerges when God's spirit becomes one with yours. Okay? Now, if if you are uh, living with an understanding or an identity that doesn't uh, live like he is in you, then you're going to live apart from him. Most people still, as being born again people, they are still thinking about God as out there. They are not thinking about, I am a new being that has been made one with him. I have a brand new identity. And we see this in the New Testament. Well, all throughout the Bible, when God calls people to himself, he gives them a new name. 
And uh, that's what happened with Paul. Paul used to be Saul, and he murdered Christians. He was on a he was on a mission to murder Christians, to snuff out Christianity because he was a good Jew, and he didn't want anything to to replace you know their Jewish heritage and the law and the prophets. So his his solution was to kill him. <laughs> We're going to kill the Christians. And he went from town to town, killing and, and imprisoning Christians. Well, that left a huge stain on Paul's conscience. And the Lord knew this. And the Lord was uh, going to, by, by seeing Paul born again and becoming one spirit with him, he knew even in other people's eyes that they would never view him the same if, they kept, if he kept his old name. What? And they even said this. We are afraid of Paul because isn't this the one that used to kill Christians? So he had to go around with other apostles and they had to approve him and introduce him as a, actually a born-again Christian. Okay? So what did God do? Obviously, he was born again. But God gave him a new name. His name became Paul. Why? Because he was a new person and Saul was dead. So here's the trick. Here's the, uh, here's the thing that's going to cause this to work for you. You have, to, you have to, in your mind, never be separated from him. You have to, in your mind and your understanding, be, you, can't, you can't be like, Oh, uh, my name is Clint and I'm doing my best to try to serve God. Okay, you're living apart from him already, I can tell, if you're thinking like that. See, when you are one with him, you are a new being and you have a new mentality and you have a new reality and that reality is uh christ and you by his spirit have become one and that one being is the new man that you're intended to become now a lot of people even though they have received the spirit like we've been talking about born again in their minds they're still separate in their conscience they're still separate in their theology and their doctrine, they're still separate. And they're praying for God to come. And they're waiting for God to come and do something. And they're praying for a uh, an anointing. Or they're praying for a call from God. And uh, they feel God one day and they don't the next day. And they're like, God, why did you leave me? Okay, these are all things that have been introduced by men's unrenewed minds and by doctrines of demons. Uh, you have got to accept... Make the decision to accept the fact that you are one with him and act out of this new reality of oneness. Okay? Could you imagine how much bolder you would be if Jesus appeared in the flesh and just walked everywhere with you and you went around doing and saying and speaking uh, the words of God and just performing miracles? You know, you would be so bold. You would not be afraid because Jesus is there. Well, well, I'm going to give you a better idea. He's not just beside you. He's in you. But you have got to begin to acknowledge with every fiber of your being this new creation that you've been made. See, when you were made a new creation, you, 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 didn't just be, you weren't just made new to exist by yourself. By default... You were made new, one with him. Okay? You, were, you have been made new, and new means one with him. 
All right? So for those of us that have been born again and have received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, what are we doing? We're joining ourselves to the Lord. We are one spirit with the Lord. That means we act out of a relationship that is inseparable. And this is the problem that people run into with marriage. They have two minds in their marriage. The husband wants one thing. The wife wants another thing. And they're wrestling. And they're, and they're going back and forth. And, and sometimes the wife compromises. Sometimes the husband compromises. But they're always at odds. Okay? They're always pushing against each other as they move along. Okay? That's true for many Christians as well. Paul writes about it. And James. He says, uh, anyone... Uh, Anyone whose mind is set on the carnal nature is at war with God. James says a double-minded man cannot receive anything from the Lord. What's a double-minded man? It's a man that thinks, acts, and understands on his own as separate from God, even though he's been made one with him. So some days he is uh, going with the Spirit. Oh, they had a good day. Other days he's opposing the Spirit because he doesn't understand that he's been made one with him. So the, the person that we the, you need to be, that, that we need to see speaking for God, uh, doing miracles, doing the works of the kingdom, taking their place in this long-range plan to subdue the earth, the person that we need to see is, is the new man, yes, this new creation, yes, but this new creation with the understanding that you and God have been made one spirit and are inseparable and are working together. See, when your spirit and God's spirit are working together, when your mind and God's spirit are working together and there's no body at odds there, that's when you see the free flow of miracles. That's when you see healing. That's when you see the dead being raised. Because there's no resistance to the marriage. Man, even the kids suffer when a husband and wife are in disagreement. They're at odds. Even the kids suffer. But in this agreement, in this new covenant, uh, we have what God has done is putting us in agreement with him through the blood of Jesus. There's no separation. There's nothing left to separate us from him except your unrenewed mind that thinks that God is separate from you. And you can see this kind of thing happening in people based on what they believe. Some people believe, and it's hard to find people that believe like this in America, I'll tell you that. Some people believe that they are a slave to sin. You know, I'm a human, so I'm just always going to sin. But in many places, including 1 Peter 2.24, it says that uh, Christ died that we would no longer sin. <laughs> Where did that scripture go? They just left it out of the Bible. Christ died that we would no longer sin, but live according to righteousness. By his stripes you were healed. That's the whole gospel right there. So, you see people that are, are like, they disagree with that. Well, um, I'm not so sure because they only, um, they only believe what they experience. And that's a carnal mindset. What's a carnal mind? What's a carnal mindset? It means that you only listen to, you're only influenced by everything in the natural realm. What you see, hear, feel, touch, taste, what you experience with your body, that becomes 
uh, reality to you. And you see this all the time with teachers and pastors and preachers. They only preach what they experience or they twist scripture to agree with their experience. You know, um, for example, uh, take take someone who's sick. Um, take someone with Down syndrome, for example, and you prayed for them and you were in faith and you knew it. And that, that person, that child stayed the same. There's no change at all. Well, you're, the human thinking takes over. If you have a carnal mind and says, well, I prayed and God didn't answer. That must mean he doesn't want to heal Down syndrome. Okay, you're the most anti-God, unchristian-like, full of error and truth, untruth that there is. Why? Because you have become a carnal-minded man. You have only began to live according to your experience. Now, a spirit-minded man or a mindset on the spirit is only influenced by uh, what the Word of God and the Spirit of God declares. Now, this is hard for a lot of people because uh, that you can't go by what you see. There's no there's no seeing with the natural eyes uh, when it comes to faith until faith brings it to pass. See, we don't see healing until faith arrives. When faith arrives, then what we have in the spirit appears in the natural. Um, that's what um, James was saying earlier. So, to be a spirit-minded man, you're going to have to leave the influence of the senses leave the influence of things that you see and hear all around you the distractions the 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 things that you see that deny the truth okay and you're going to have to hold on to what is unseen how do we do that well first of all what is unseen is this marriage this marriage between your spirit and god's spirit that is unseen but it is more real than anything that you can uh, get your hands on. And that's where, uh, Preston, not, we're just having this conversation while we were offline a minute ago uh, about communion, about waiting on the Lord, about being with the Lord. Prayer becomes centered around this new covenant reality of your oneness with God's Spirit. You couldn't be made a new man without being made with one, uh, one with God's Spirit in some way. That is the new man. Because Jesus was that. He was one Spirit with God. He said, it's not I who do these works. It's the Spirit of my Father in me. So not even Jesus had special abilities or powers apart from the Spirit. Now we have received that same Spirit. But we're going to have to live in the, uh, the reality of this new covenant, which is the old Clint is dead and buried. And you know what? Family, friends, everyone that used to know that old Clint, they're always going to try to resurrect him. They're always going to bring him back up. And you're going to have to look at them and tell them in the, in the eye, that person is dead. And I do this all the time. And it's so shocking because they think you're a weirdo. They think you've lost your mind. And that's what they said about Jesus. When Jesus picked out his 12 apostles um, and uh, on the mountain. And then he came back down with them. And a bit, he, went, he went home, it says. And his crowd, this crowd gathered. 
And it says that his mother and brothers and sisters went outside to seize him because they said he is out of his mind. They wanted to save the family embarrassment of Jesus, who the cult leader <laughs> of Jesus, the sectarian. He's starting a rebel. He's starting a, a, a group. He's starting a gang. Let's go out there and seize him and save him from this error. And they said he is out of his mind. Okay, when you start to really live out this, people are going to say that you're out of your mind because you are not going to act or behave. In truth, they were out of the mind. That's that's where I'm going, Fidel. Again, you could just keep keep your preaching to yourself for a second. <laughs> okay, so it's true. He was out of his mind. So when you begin to operate like, like this, you're going to be, you're going to be um, mislabeled. You're going to be misunderstood. And the the biggest mistake you can make is to back off of that and try to um, and try to in, interact with people in a natural way, in a way that they can understand. That is never going to work, and that's the American gospel. That's the gospel that we deal with today. What is going to work is if you put on full display what, the reality that is in you. What what is the reality? Listen, you're not just a person where God's spirit kind of just lives in the corner. Who you are is a new being which has been married to God's spirit. Who you are, you cannot be who you are without being one with him. You know, um, Fidel, I, I just saw his son Chris a few minutes ago on here. Um, we were talking, you know, Fidel and his wife, their DNA came together to make a new DNA. To, their DNA joined to create a new being. Now, we can't take Chris and separate his DNA and give half of it back to his mom or give half of it back to his dad. That DNA has combined to make a new being. And that's the same thing that's happened to you. Your spirit's been recreated with God's spirit and you have been made a new being. One joined to the Lord is one spirit with the Lord. Now, what does that mean? That means uh, he will never leave you or forsake you. That means you're never without provision. That means you're never without protection. That means you're never without power. That means you're never without ability. That means you're never without authority. Why? Because the new creation is like him. As he is, John writes, so are we in this world. What's he talking about? The new creation reality, the new being that has been made one spirit with God's spirit. Well, if this is so true, why don't we see it? Why don't we see the reality of this? Okay, because the carnal mind refuses to accept these things. Paul writes about this in 1 Corinthians when he talks about we have the mind of Christ. The carnal mind refuses to accept spiritual truth. This is why you must renew your mind. See, this is the equipping that I'm talking about. I'm not just teaching you Bible facts, five steps to miracles, you know, three steps to healings. What I'm telling you is the new covenant's um, uh, uh, effect on you as a born-again son of God. You are one with his spirit, and you, fu you are functioning just like Jesus did. Okay, if you don't see the functioning happening, then you've got to renew your mind. You've got to, what do you got to do? You've got to, what is renewing your mind? 
You must draw a new conclusion based on what is unseen. Draw a new conclusion. Decide to draw a new conclusion based on truth, based on God's words. And if you begin to do that, Paul says in Romans 12 too, um, don't be conformed to this world. See, the world wants to push you into the carnal understanding, the carnal man. Uh, it doesn't want you to be a manifesting son of God. He said, don't be conformed by this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. When your mind begins to understand these things and you begin to accept these things uh, and you begin to lose your life, as Jesus said, and, and reemerge with this new life that's one with God, then you will begin to see transformation happen in you and around you. See, the transformation that Paul's talking about is not, is not just a, uh, an inward transformation that nobody can see. What he literally means, and this is what it means in the original Greek, is that you're going to put on full display, you're going to manifest on the outside what is reality on the inside. See, you have the reality of a new being that's been made one with God's Spirit. The fullness of the Spirit dwells in you. But if we can't see it, it just means you don't believe it. You don't understand it. And you have to have that partnership with your mind. See, everything that Jesus said, if you believe, believe in this. If you believe, then these, these things will follow. What's the believing? It's the... It's the uh, it's the leaving of the carnal mind and accepting a, a, a mindset of the spirit. You're leaving the logical understanding of the old mind and you're believing the word of God and what it says about you and who you are. Now, the result of this new man, this new creation, is all the things that Jesus said. To him who believes, no thing will be impossible. Did, did it, and this is a perfect example. It didn't say, to him who is born again, nothing will be impossible. Why? Because you can be born again and still have a carnal mindset. Still have a mindset of an, of an old man. Instead of having a mindset where you believe the truth that you are new, one with God, and full of the, the Spirit, um, with the fullness of the Spirit of God in you. Uh, but if you believe, if you join yourself to this, and if you fully... Uh, go along with this plan, right? If we're going to believe something, we're going to go along with it. It's not just a mental fact. We're going to go along with this. And then he says, if you believe, no thing will be impossible. To those who believe, no thing will be impossible. That that covers that, that covers everything. There's no thing that cannot be healed. There's no person that cannot be raised from the dead. There is no country that cannot be converted. There is literally nothing impossible to us. And and this is such a powerful reality that you're going to have to to leave your entire life to possess this. You're going to, to you're going to have to rearrange and reorder your life to walk in the reality of what He's made you. And it's going to take that level of effort. Uh, Jesus said uh, that parable about a field. You know, the field has a pearl in it. A man finds the pearl. He's like, I, I've got to have that pearl. And he sells everything and he possesses that field just for the pearl. And that's what this is. People are going to mock you and ridicule you. 
uh, for buying an empty field because they see it as empty, but you see what's actually hidden. And that's the thing that needs to happen. That's the thing that you need to begin to do. See, church is full of activities. Church is full of things, churchy activities and June churchy stuff. And, and, and even just let's come and worship the Lord. And your whole life is just spent showing up to worship the Lord. Okay. You were not created for the purpose of worship. That, see, there's another sacred cow. We worship the Lord, obviously. This whole thing is surrounded with worship. But we were created for the purpose, according to Genesis one twenty six, to have dominion. And if God is restoring all things back to their original intent, he's restoring man's position of dominion in the earth. So, although we do worship, the purpose, the expectation from God, is that we obey the commands of Jesus. The expectation from God is that we overcome. The expectation of God is that we make disciples of all nations, with hats, which has to do with dominion. And not so much worship. Although worship is a part of this. That's part of the communion. And I just want to say this one thing about communion before uh, I quit here. I I could go, I could like keep talking for 12 hours about this. And just let the lights come on until everybody gets it. But uh, what we call prayer, okay. Prayer is the... uh, is the joining of yourself to God's spirit and the communion that you share with him. Okay. If you are, think about this. There people are like, Oh, if I could just go to heaven and ask Jesus a question, or if I could just go to heaven and see him, I would believe or whatever. Okay. This, what you have been made is way better than being separate from God and seeing him face to face because he has been made one with you. One spirit, one spirit, two DNAs coming together, uh, marriage, one flesh, marriage with God, one spirit. You have been united to him that you could unite all things in Christ in heaven and on earth. This is the entire theme of the New, the New Testament. So what is communion? What is prayer? This is what we see in Jesus's life and Fidel and I made this, he, he was on a Wednesday call. We'll talk about it a little bit. This communion, this prayer, this fellowship, this oneness that we have with God. Uh, we see Jesus uh, living this way. He, he would go with the disciples to a place and then Jesus would go further away and pray all night. Uh, it said that his favorite place to pray was on the Mount of Olives. And he would go up there and pray all night. Or sometimes he would leave the crowd and the disciples and go pray. Why? What's he doing? He is uh, he is strengthening his uh, himself in oneness with the Spirit. Because when you lose the when you're um, this is what you're talking about when when the oneness when your oneness with the Spirit gets weak. Because of lack of communion, you no longer function as one who is united to the Lord. You sure. function as one who is separate. Sure. You start to think differently. You start to act differently. Yeah. This you, feel is so, separate. you feel separate. You feel separate too. This is so feel true. Alone. You feel alone. You're like, oh, God left me. No, <laughs> you, left, you left. You left. Okay. He said, never will I leave you or forsake you. He didn't say that you wouldn't forsake him. So 
the key to your life progressing, moving forward. And this is what, listen, I, I spend, I've already spent many hours today before any of you showed up here, before any of you, these guys showed up. In this room, I spent hours doing that. I spent hours praying in the Spirit and, and sitting in stillness, in fellowship, communion, oneness, being one spirit with the Lord. What am I doing? I'm strengthening my marriage so that when I go out from this place, my marriage is not shaken. This is what um, Jesus meant when he said, a man who builds his house on the rock, when winds and storms comes, it will not be shaken. Okay, This is the marriage uh, in, between a husband and wife that we see. A marriage that spends time strengthening itself, no matter what happens, will not be shaken. And also a man, who a son of God, who spends time strengthening the oneness that they have with God's Spirit within them. This strengthening results in what we call a manifestation of the sons of God. This is what all creation is groaning for, as Paul writes in Romans 8, for the manifestation of these sons. See, this is not some future event that we're all waiting for. We have already been made one spirit with the Lord. Now you have to choose to join yourself with him. You have to choose to, to change your lifestyle. This is how Jesus put it. Seek first the kingdom. You have to choose this new covenant, oneness and reality, and get better at communion, get better at strengthening yourself in this, get rid of your double-mindedness, get rid of the carnal mind, and join yourself to his mind. This is why Paul says we have been given. We have the mind of Christ. The mind of Christ is critical if you're going to experience, experience outwardly what you have inwardly. And when we get this flowing together, when we get this one creation, new man strengthened in, in its marriage on the inside, then we see the manifestation of Jesus Christ in the earth, which is who you have on the inside. We see the manifestation of God's dominion, of his healing, of his love, of his power, of his acts. And this, what you have been made, let me just finish with this. What you have been made is the answer, is the answer to all the problems in the world. What you have been made is God's answer to fixing all the problems in the world. So our answer no longer for any problem is God would you just come and fix this problem? God came and fixed all the problems of the earth by the sacrificial, the sacrifice of Jesus and raising him from the dead and sending the Spirit, right? God promised that through Abraham's seed, all nations would be blessed. And Paul writes in, for, uh, in for, um, uh, Galatians 3.13 and 14 that Jesus became a curse for us, that, that through the blessing of Abraham, we receive the promise of the Spirit. That's Acts chapter 2, baptism of the Holy Spirit. What is that baptism for? Oneness, communion, one spirit with the Lord, one mind with the Lord. Uh, a, a new man emerging on the planet that thinks, walks, acts like, talks like Jesus. See, this is why Jesus said, the same works I do, you'll do, but even greater works. Because he only really functioned outwardly in this in this ministry, in this life, for three years. Some of you have been born again for 30 years. 
and 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 yet still uh, struggling to to come into this reality. If Jesus was here every year, I mean, the miracles got stronger with him every year that he was out there uh, preaching the kingdom, and the, the same should be true with us that we continue. Uh, this is what the Bible says to the uh, the brightness of the noonday sun. Like we are like the rising of the sun to full strength, uh, the righteousness of the Lord. That's an Old Testament scripture. Fidel probably knows it. So th this is my message to you today. You've got to, if you're wondering where to put all your effort, all of your energy, all of your focus, it's in the revelation of the new man made with one spirit. Get in communion with him. You, and, and the obstacles that you're going to come into while you're doing that are all of the things that need to be killed. All the things that need to be that need to die in order that there be no resistance to the new man that you've been made, to the spirit of God within you.